Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Omarpreneur Live podcast, the podcast where I normally interview Muslim entrepreneurs at the top of their game to bring you insights in regards to mindset, lifestyle, business, entrepreneurship. However, today I have a very special episode that I wanted to record with you guys and bring to you. And it's a new idea that I had. And I found myself actually, you know, setting the schedule for the podcast today and realized that I didn't have a guest booked in due to some scheduling conflicts with a few guests that were supposed to come on. And uh, inshallah, they'll be on for the next episode. So I thought, well, you know what? Let's change things up a little bit. Instead of skipping a week, why don't I come on? Why don't I share something with you guys? Why don't I get on live, get on this podcast and still do something, share some insight with you together? And I thought, what better way than to actually, you know, dive into a certain book together, dive into something that I recently read that I really felt resonated with me and brought me so much insight and so much value to my life. And I thought that why not share that with you guys, with the audience? And what I'm going to do today, inshallah, this is a very special episode. This is a one of a kind episode. So as you can see, there's no one else. It's just me. If you're watching, if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but you can hear it that I'm going to be reading. I'm going to be essentially diving into a book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. This is what it looks like. And I know some people are just hopping on the live now. So salam alaikum guys to all of you that are hopping on live. And if you're listening to this recorded version, remember that we do this live every day, well, every week actually, inside of our Facebook group. And the link will be in the description inshallah for you to join. So for all of you that are signing on right now, assalamu alaikum guys. We're diving in today to The War of Art. Okay, by Stephen Pressfield, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. This is a book that has absolutely transformed my life, has changed my life, has changed the way that I see things. And today, I wanted to read a little bit of an excerpt with you guys. I wanted to share with you some of the beautiful material that's in this book. And I wanted to comment on it and actually engage with you guys in regards to that material. I wanted to get your feedback and I wanted to get your comments and the way that you feel when you hear the things that I'm about to share with you, when you discover what I'm about to uh, share with you inside of this beautiful book here. And this is a book that honestly is great, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a, a business owner, or even a creative person, an artist. And really what this book does is it talks about resistance. Now, I don't want to hype it up too much before I actually read through. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to start and read through some of it and hopefully you guys will enjoy it. You guys are going to benefit from this and be able to you know, reflect on what I'm sharing with you guys today, inshallah. So let's go ahead and do that and dive right in. So I'm going to skip the forward. I'm going to skip the parts that I don't necessarily want to read with you guys. And we'll get started. So the first part is I want to read a, a little bit of this book together. So I'm going to read it out to you. You can see it's in my hands here. I wish I could have like a better camera angle. You guys could see me reading it. But I'm going to read it to you guys, and then we're going to comment on it. We're going to reflect on it, and we're going to engage with this. And the best way to learn, the best way to really memorize and and uh, really absorb education, absorb material in books, is to engage with the material. It's to make it come alive through interaction. And so that's what I hope to do on this episode. And I hope this will be beneficial for you guys, inshallah. So thank you to all of you who are joining me. Uh, even though we have no guests today, I appreciate that you would come on just to, to listen to me. So I'm honored for that. So Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art, The Unlived Life. Let's begin. Let me pull that up here. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. Have you ever brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? Ever quit a diet, a course of yoga, a meditation practice? Have you ever bailed out on a call to embark upon a spiritual practice, dedicate yourself to a humanitarian calling, commit your life to the service of others? Have you ever wanted to be a mother, a doctor, an advocate for the weak and helpless, to run for office, crusade for the planet, campaign for world peace, or to preserve the environment? Late at night, have you experienced a vision of the person you might become, the work you could accomplish, the realized being you were meant to be? 
Are you a writer who doesn't write, a painter who doesn't paint, an entrepreneur who never starts a venture? Then you know what resistance is. One night, and this is a quote here that he quotes from John Lee Hooker. One night I was laying down. I heard Papa talking to Mama. I heard Papa say to let that boy boogie woogie because it's in him and it's got to come out. So this is a really interesting passage that we uh, that we start with. And I want to take a pause and comment on it before we continue. So the author here starts by essentially sharing with us and forcing us to reflect, to ask questions. And here he asks, have you ever brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? I want to tell you guys, and I want you to comment, how many of us right now, and I want you to be really honest with me on this, guys, how many of you watching this right now, watching this podcast, watching live, and I'm so honored that you joined me, are, you know, have experienced buying some sort of fitness equipment and let it gather dust in the closet or in the attic. I want you guys to comment. I know I have. I know I have personally, but have you? So let me know in the comments. Have you guys ever bought a treadmill, some sort of piece of equipment, some sort of dumbbell, a fitness, uh, whatever it is, kind of fitness equipment, and let it gather dust in the attic. I'm sure we've all experienced that before. And have you ever quit a diet, a course of yoga or a meditation practice? So he's really challenging us here in the beginning. Have you ever built out on a call to embark upon a spiritual practice? Dedicate yourself to a humanitarian calling. And subhanAllah, you know, this author is a Muslim, right? So uh, when we read this and, and he speaks about spiritual practices, we could still very much relate as Muslims. Right, so how many times did we decide? You know, Ramadan's coming up soon. Actually, Ramadan is coming up in the next uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in less than two months. Right, it's coming up. So you think about that, and and, and you realize, you know, how many times during Ramadan have we said that you know we're going to take up you know a certain spiritual practice? We're going to commit tasbih every day. We're going to you know maybe wake up for Fajr on time <laughs> instead of praying when we wake up, or maybe we're going to pray to Hajrud. And you know what? We want to keep it going. And then what happens? What happens? We let it go, right? So he talks about that and he asks us these questions. Now, he starts to speak of a concept called resistance. I'm going to continue reading for you guys, and I, and I hope you guys are enjoying this so far. Resistance is the most toxic force on the planet. It is the root of more unhappiness than poverty, disease, and erectile dysfunction. SubhanAllah, wow, that's powerful, man. To yield to resistance deforms our spirit. It stunts us and makes us less than we are and we're born to be. If you believe in God, and I do, you must declare resistance evil, for it prevents us from achieving the life God intended when he endowed us, each of us, with our own unique genius. SubhanAllah, some beautiful words, honestly. This is why I love this book. Genius is a Latin word. The Romans used it to denote an inner spirit, holy and inviolable, which watches over us, guiding us to our calling. A writer writes with his genius. An artist paints with hers. Everyone who creates operates from the sacramental center. It is our soul's seat, the vessel that holds our being in potential, our star's beacon and polaris. Every sun casts a shadow, and genius's shadow is resistance. Mm. As powerful as is our soul's call to realization, so potent are the forces of resistance arrayed against it, right? So when we come to realize ourselves, when we want to realize ourselves, we want to actualize ourselves, we want to tap into that inner genius, what happens? Resistance shows, us, shows up, right? It rears its ugly head. Resistance is faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, harder to kick than addiction. We're not alone if we've been mowed down by resistance. Millions of good men and women have bitten the dust before us. And here's the biggest truth. We don't even know what hit us. I never did, right? So how many times do we feel like we wanna start a project, we wanna start an initiative, we wanna work on our business, we're gonna finally build that marketing funnel, we're gonna finally work on that system, and guess what? Resistance shows up, so this energy, this mysterious energy shows up and it prevents us from moving forward. And here we talk about that. So. From age 24 to 32, resistance kicked my ass from East Coast to West and back again 13 times and I never even knew it existed. I looked everywhere for the enemy and failed to see it right in front of my face. So the, the one thing about this book is that the, the, the author definitely uses 
some crude language, but I don't want to, I don't want to mitigate its effects. So I'm still going to read it word for word because it does contribute to the impact of this, uh, of the, of this section that we're reading guys. So have you heard this story? Woman learns she has cancer, six months to live. Within days, she quits her job, resumes the dream of writing Tex-Mex songs she gave up to raise a, to raise a family, right? Or she starts studying classical Greek or moves to the inner city and devotes herself to tending babies with AIDS. Woman's friends think she's crazy. She herself has never been happier. There's a postscript, woman's cancer goes into remission. So here in this section, essentially he talks about, you know, many stories that most of us have maybe heard, right? Stories of people who maybe discovered that they only have a limited time to live, right? Do we know of anyone that, you know, maybe has been diagnosed with a certain terminal illness that has maybe faced a certain disease that, you know, was critical to, you know, their life that, that could potentially, you know, uh, put their life in danger. How many times do we see these people who might experience these things then go on to realize and actualize themselves, you know, in ways that they haven't done before. They're like, oh my God, I only have this much time to live. Well, now I'm going to make the most of it, right? So this is what he's talking about here, right? Woman learns she has cancer, six months to live. Within days, she quits her job, resumes her dream of writing songs and books. And, you know, her friends think she's crazy, but she has never been happier. Now, he's saying, is this what it takes? Do we have to stare death in the face to make us stand up and confront resistance. Does resistance have to cripple and disfigure our lives before we wake up to its existence? How many of us have become drunks, drug addicts, developed tumors, neuroses, succumbed to painkillers, gossip, and compulsive cell phone use simply because we don't do that thing that our hearts, our inner genius is calling us to? SubhanAllah, I want, to, I want you guys to reflect on that. What is, he, what is What he's essentially saying here? what he's essentially saying here, the author, is he's saying that when we fail to actualize ourselves, for all of you watching right now, for all of you listening to this, you know, if you've had something that you've always wanted to do, if you had a dream that you've always wanted to achieve, right, if you've had, you know, a certain goal in your mind, something that you've always, you know, wanted to actualize and you never did, a piece of you that you always wanted to, wanted to discover and you never took the time, and he's saying that when we don't do this, when we avoid this, when we don't actualize these things, then this comes out in different ways. It comes out in, in, in people becoming drug addicts, you know, succumbing to painkillers, gossip, compulsive cell phone use, right? How many people do we, do we know that, you know, have abandoned their dreams and goals and have, you know, how many people do I know personally that essentially have, you know, decide, have had these beautiful dreams and these goals that they wanted to achieve, but then what happens is, you know, they settle down and they're like, you know, they stay in their comfort zone. They decide, you know what, I'm not going to pursue that. And then what happens? What happens, right? They, they drown, they drown out that feeling of, of uh, 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 essentially being in a place where they haven't actualized themselves. They drown that out by succumbing to, you know, distraction, right? We talk about it, being, distracting ourselves by compulsive cell phone use, right? Or, or, or being distracted by disease or, or by other things that happen to us. All right, and he's saying, is that really what it takes to defeat resistance, right? And resistance is like this mysterious force that is always stopping us from actualizing ourselves, from pursuing our goals, from doing the things we need to do, right? Does resistance have to cripple and disfigure our lives before we wake up to its existence, right? So resistance, uh, so let's see here. Resistance defeats us. If tomorrow morning by some stroke of magic, Every dazed and benighted soul woke up with the power to take the first step towards pursuing his or her dreams. Every shrink in the directory would be out of business. Wow. So if tomorrow morning, by some stroke of magic, every dazed and benighted soul woke up with the power to take the first step towards pursuing his or her dreams, every shrink in the directory would be out of business. Essentially, what he's saying here is that the only reason that shrinks are in business is because of people that have failed to actualize themselves and thus have come to all of these problems. This is a this is a powerful statement here. Okay, this is a very powerful statement here. We got a few comments. It, we got a few beautiful comments that come in. If I will not do it today, what if today will be my last? And I completely agree, my friend, 100%. Connecting so much on those lines, Abiy Lasmar. Live worthy of your dreams and goals before it's actually too late. 100%. 100%. We move by deadline or deathline. 
great question there. Also, some beautiful comments coming in. Thank you guys for watching and for being here. So let's continue. Prisons, okay, so he's saying, if tomorrow morning by some stroke of magic, we're gonna continue reading, guys. If tomorrow morning by some stroke of magic, okay, by some stroke of magic, every dazed and benighted soul woke up with the power to take the first step towards pursuing his or her dreams, every shrink in the directory would be out of business. Prisons would stand empty. The alcohol and tobacco industries would collapse. Wow, listen to this. The alcohol and tobacco industries would collapse, along with the junk food, cosmetic surgery, and infotainment businesses, not to mention pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, and the medical profession from top to bottom. Domestic abuse would become extinct, as would addiction, obesity, migraine headaches, road rage, and dandruff. <laughs> wow. So some powerful words here. Now, I don't know if you guys have read Think and Grow Rich. Maybe we can do another episode on that. But um, even in Think and Grow Rich, the author Napoleon Hill really perpetrates this idea that disease and sickness stems from the mind, that it stems from our inner selves, that disease and sickness comes from a place of our minds, you know, thinking negatively and our subconscious mind essentially, you know, bringing that disease into being within us. Now, this is this this actually resonates with what I read in Thinking Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill. <laughs> Someone says dandruff. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely funny. Now I want to ask you guys, I want to ask you guys, think about it. When you think about people who smoke and who turn to tobacco and alcohol, you know, usually why do people do that? Are people that are happy in their lives, you know, do they end up taking up uh, alcohol, tobacco, you know, smoking, do they, do they have these addictions? Generally, not really. Right. Who, who takes up these addictions? Who always, who's always saying I need to go out for a smoke break, right? It's the guys that are working, you know, the blue collar jobs, the guys that are, you know, stuck in places that they don't want to be and that want to, want to, want to move higher in life and that want to, you know, be in a place that is, that is better than where they currently are. And, and, and to essentially overcome that frustration and handle their stress and anxiety, they, they mute it down with drugs, with alcohol, with tobacco and all of these things. Now, I'm not saying that blue collar jobs are bad. Please don't get me wrong. They're amazing. And we society would crumble as whole without, you know, our honored, you know, workers doing blue collar jobs. But I'm saying if you had a bigger dream and then you're stuck, you know, working, you know, at a, at a call center all your life, uh, well, probably you're going to be uh, you're going to have to drown that out with a little bit of uh, unfortunately, you know, whether it's whether it's compulsive cell phone use, whether it's alcohol, whether it's, you know, uh, luckily for us as Muslims, we don't really dive into that. But, you know, whether it's smoking, uh, whether it's, you know, distraction, domestic abuse, uh, obesity, migraine headaches, all these things that the author is talking about. Now, let's continue. I want to continue reading this because I think this is so insightful. Now, um, let's see. And I hope you guys are enjoying this, by the way. This is a different podcast than I usually film. So if you guys are enjoying this, uh, this format, it's a little bit different. Let me know in the comments. Let me know if you're getting some insight, inshallah. Um, so actually, we have a comment that I'd love to highlight. So from my experience as a life coach, usually those who are with addiction problems are those who say they're stressed with work and life, right? And it's just sad, right? So so we have one of our, our life coaches in the audience that's, you know, that, that that's communicated that. And I completely agree, right, that usually these other problems are developed based on a root cause, right? Based on a root cause, people who've been through trauma, people who aren't unhappy in their lives and who have some unresolved problems. Let's continue. Look in your own heart. Unless I'm crazy right now. Ooh, I love this part. Listen carefully, guys. Listen carefully to this, please. Listen carefully. Look in your own heart. Unless I'm crazy right now, a still small voice is piping up telling you as it has 10,000 times the calling that is yours and yours alone. You know it. No one has to tell you. And unless I'm crazy, you're no closer to taking action on it than you were yesterday or will be tomorrow. You think resistance isn't real? Resistance will bury you. And, and oh, uh, this, this passage, guys, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. You think resistance isn't real? Resistance will bury you. You know, Hitler wanted to be an artist. At 18, he took his inheritance, 700 kronen, and moved to Vienna to live and study. He applied to the Academy of Fine Arts and later to the School of Architecture. Ever see one of his paintings? Neither have I. Resistance beat him. Call it overstatement, but I'll say it anyway. 
it was easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was for him to face a blank square of canvas. Wow, that's some powerful stuff here. So what the author is saying is that the, the, the main reason, the major reason Hitler started World War II was because of his unactualized desire to be an artist and how resistance overcame him. And he didn't actualize himself and pursue his actual dream. Wow, that's that's some powerful stuff, guys. I don't know what you guys think about that. I don't know if that's a little extreme, but I want to know your thoughts in the comments. I want to know if, if you guys resonate with this. So there's a little bit more. Now, I know for, for all of you listening, you might be like, okay, Abby, I'm, I'm getting a lot of benefit from this. And you know, this is cool. I'm enjoying this so far. You got me. But uh, but okay, how do we overcome this? What's the solution? What's the solution to this, right? So so let's let's explore some of the chapters that he has here and where he talks about resistance in more detail, when he talks about what it is and how we can overcome it, okay? There's a few uh, uh, passages that I want to highlight. But of course, if you're enjoying this, guys, if you're enjoying this, guys, then... Uh, then uh, I definitely recommend you check out the full book and give it a read. It's a very short book. It's only about 165 pages. And it, I honestly, you can read through it in a week. So we got a few more people joining us. So let's continue. So resistance is greatest hits. So how do we recognize resistance? The following is a list in no particular order of those activities that most commonly elicit resistance. So if you do these, if you do these, your most these are activities that are most commonly going to elicit resistance where you're going to be you're going to be faced with resistance. You're going to you're going to be faced with that feeling where, you know, you're you're going to feel like, "Ah, why is it so hard to move forward? Why is it so hard?" To, to actually do this, right? Here's, here's a list of these. Number one, the pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art, however marginal or unconventional. Number two, the launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise for profit or otherwise. So you guys hear this, right? You guys hear this. How many business owners do I know, including myself? I won't, I won't leave myself out of it, guys. I won't leave myself out of it, but how many business owners do we know, including myself that face resistance, right? When it comes to launching an entrepreneurial venture or enterprise, right? Guess what happens? You're faced with resistance. What's resistance? It's that feeling of procrastination. It's that feeling of maybe tomorrow. It's that feeling of, oh, it's been three years, but I still didn't start my business, right? Because of X, Y, Z excuse. Number three, <coughs> sorry. Number three, any diet or health regimen right? Starting any diet or health regimen, you stick to it for a week and then what happens, right? You're faced with resistance, you give up. Number four, any program of spiritual advancement, right? Any program of spiritual advancement. Number five, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals. <laughs> I love that. Any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals. So he's talking about fitness here, right? How many times, guys, how many of you, I know I have, uh, I've downloaded, uh, you know, do you guys know the app on the, uh, these apps on the Play Store? Uh, you know, six pack abs in 90 days. How many of you have downloaded these these apps like that and and, uh, and and have used them maybe like once and then gave up, right? I know I have. So so this is pretty funny. Um, any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit of every kind, right? Uh, sorry, an unwholesome habit or addiction. So overcoming habit, uh, unwholesome habits, so negative habits or addictions. Number seven, education of every kind, right? Facing resistance, education of every kind. Number eight, any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves. Wow. Wow, guys. How many times do we want to change our character for the better? How many times do we want, do we want, do we want to work hard to change you know, an unworthy pattern of thought or conduct in ourselves? And guess what? Resistance shows us its ugly head. Resistance shows up and prevents us from moving forward. Number nine, the undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. Number 10, any act that entails commitment of the heart, such as the decision to get married, to have a child, to weather a rocky patch in a relationship, right? Number 11, the taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. In other words, any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity. Wow, so essentially what he's saying is, what he's saying here is 
any act that rejects immediate gratification. What, what do we know gives us immediate gratification? Let's think of that. What, do, what gives us immediate gratification, guys? You know, op popping up, popping open the TV, you know, getting that instant dopamine hit by lying down and not moving an inch of our bodies and being entertained. That's some immediate, immediate gratification, right? What's another immediate gratification? Social media, right? Social media, opening up our phones and getting these notifications coming in and, you know, all of that. Oh my God, immediate gratification feels amazing, feels great right? Feels amazing. Well, what else is immediate gratification? Eating junk food. Eating junk food tastes good right now, but we know long-term it's bad for us. Immediate gratification, right? And he says, any act that rejects immediate gratification, because guess what? Getting tighter abdominals doesn't feel good, right? Starting your business doesn't feel good. There's no immediate gratification from starting a business, right? No immediate gratification. Any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity, or expressed another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower, any of these will elicit resistance. Any of these will elicit resistance. Wow. So let me, let's dive in through some of the comments, right? A lot, I'm seeing a lot of hashtag guilty. I'm seeing a lot of many times over here, right? How do we stop instant gratification, right? So we've got a good question. How do we stop instant gratification? And that's an amazing question. The truth is that you can never stop instant gratification. So as human beings, we are naturally wired. We are naturally wired to, you know, in our brains to, to want dopamine, right? We want that because that is like the feel good chemical. So the, you can't really completely stop instant gratification, but you can, you can program yourself to acclimate your brain to delayed gratification and appreciate delayed gratification more. And what that means is to really stick through things that have delayed gratification, such as that workout, right? That workout that doesn't feel good right now because waking up and going to the gym right now doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel like eating, eating that, you know, that piece of chocolate, that feels good. That, that you know, I put that in my mouth and mm -hmm, I got that, that, that feels great. But Going to the gym and lifting those weights, ah, that's that's the struggle right there, isn't it? So, but we know that later on when we look in the mirror in one week, in two weeks, in three weeks, guess what? That feels good, right? That feels good. And the way to do that is for me, some advice that I can give you guys when it comes to how to stop instant gratification or how to at least program our brains to enjoy delayed gratification more is that you need to transform delayed gratification into immediate gratification. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but hear me out. You need to transform delayed gratification into immediate gratification. How do you do that? Instead of trying to work against your brain and your natural and your and your natural programming, okay? Instead of working against your brain and your natural programming, you want to, what you want to do is you want to, you know, adapt to how our brain operates. And the way that we do that is, for example, if you're gonna, if your goal is I want to hit the gym for the, the following week. I want to work on my business every single day this week. And I want to stop, you know, instead of, you know, spending my entire evening watching TV shows, I want to spend an hour or two working on my business. What you're going to do is you're going to, for example, take a board, a whiteboard if you have at home. If you don't have a whiteboard, take a piece of paper. Make sure it's a physical, a physical piece, not online, okay? Take a physical piece of paper, write down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. You're going to map it all out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're going to put a box for each one. Okay. And you're going to start with something very, very small. You're going to start with something very, very small. Something like I, all I need to do is I just want to hit, I just want to get used. I want to develop the habit of going to the gym. Right. So you don't want to say a lot of times why people can't achieve a goal or I want to work on my business. They're like, okay, the only way is oh, I got to work on my business for eight hours. I got to sit down. I got to work on it for eight hours. It's like, obviously you're procrastinating, right? That's way too much. You can't go from someone who has never works on their business to working eight hours on your business a day, right? So small steps. So number one, for example, if I'm trying to hit the gym every day, I'm going to say, my goal is to go to the gym for 10 minutes every single day. All I need to do is show up for 10 minutes. It doesn't even matter if I lift any single piece of weight or not. I just got to go and I got to show up there for 10 minutes. I got to stay there for 10 minutes. I got to sit down. Even if I sit down, it's all good. And then I got to walk out. And that's a promise I made to myself. And you go to the gym for 10 minutes, you come back. Every time you do that, you go home, you, you put a check mark on that piece of paper and you give yourself a reward, right? You give yourself, all right, now that I've done my gym, I can sit down and watch my TV show, 
right? Now that I've done my gym, I can take that piece of chocolate. And then next day, same thing. I can't, I can't watch TV. I can't take that piece of chocolate until I've done my, until I've done my 10 minutes in the gym and you go to the gym and you come back and you clearly draw a check mark on that piece of paper. And then you, you reward yourself and you continue with your day. And then what happens is your brain's like, Oh, I want that reward, right? I want, I want the, the awesome feeling of, of putting a check mark in that box, you know, cause I feel good when that happens. I feel proud of myself. And I also want, you know, the reward that comes with it right after of, you know, being able to watch TV or, or get that chocolate. And, and now your brain is going to be your ally and it's going to help you, right? It's going to work with you instead of against you. And so what the goal is, the advice that I have for you is that the way to essentially overcome instant gratification is turn activities that are delayed gratification into instant gratification, right? Until they become ingrained habits within you, right? Because really the best way to overcome, you know, this, the, this addiction that we have to instant gratification is, is through the power of habit, through really habitualizing our brains to, to essentially, you know, every single day when, when this becomes habit, when this becomes, it's just natural to you every day, like I go to the gym for 10 minutes, like that doesn't take any more of your brain power. Now you don't even need to put a check mark anymore. You don't even need to reward yourself anymore, but that happens after 30, 60 days, right? So, so you gotta, you gotta stay consistent. Now we'll continue inshallah. We got it. We got We got a few more questions coming in. So guys, keep these questions coming in because we're still going to have a Q and a portion. Okay. At the end of this podcast, we're still gonna have a Q and a portion except I'm going to be the one answering your questions as always. So let's continue guys. So today we're reading the war of war, the war of art together, break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. Now I want to share with you guys. I want to share with you guys a little, a little something here. Okay. This is a very, very, very beautiful passage. Very, very beautiful. Okay. Very beautiful. So, in this passage, we're going to talk a little bit about how to overcome resistance. Okay, of course, this, this book speaks of it. We're going to talk about it. But this is a beautiful passage. And it's it's really interesting because this author, okay, Stephen Pressfield, I'm not sure. It, well, I definitely know he's not Muslim, but he's he, he's like probably Christian or something. Um, and of course, I don't agree with everything that he says spiritually in, in this book. But this passage, interestingly, is is resonates completely with our beliefs. And it's very beautiful to read. So I want to I want to read it for you. I want to read it for you. So this passage is called "The Fruits of Our Labor." Okay, the fruits of our labor from the War of Art. I really want you guys to focus with me on this. All right. So if you're watching right now, take a minute. Okay, put aside. You know, we're just talking about instant gratification. If you guys are watching with me right now, like, take a minute. Okay, don't keep scrolling. Don't go to that notification. Don't you know? Put this away to watch your junk food. If just give me two minutes and listen closely. All right, listen very closely to this, and I promise you that this will change your life, okay? The fruits of our labor. When Krishna instructed Arjuna that we have a right to our labor, but not the fruits of our labor, he was counseling the warrior to act territorially, not hierarchically. Okay, so this is some heavy words. Now, when we're talking about Krishna, Arjuna here, he's making reference to the Bhagavad, Bhagavad Gita, okay, which is... Um, I believe in Hinduism, right? The book of Hinduism. However, this directly, directly agrees with our philosophy in Islam. And I'll share with you why. Okay, I'll keep reading. We must do our work for its own sake, not for fortune or attention or applause. Then there's the third way preferred by the Lord, right? Which is beyond both Hierarchy, hierarchy or territory. So what he, what he means by to act territorially, okay, or hierarchically, this is, if you read this, if you read this, you're going to understand what he's saying here. But essentially what he's saying is that we essentially are motivated towards our goals for two reasons, either for a, for a hierarchical, re I, I really can't say that word. I don't know why I can't. So I'm going to try not to say it. But, you know, in terms of our hierarchy, for that reason, so to move up in the world or in the, territorially, so essentially for us to like build a tribe, build a clan, to be part, to to essentially, you know, be part of the group, be, be part of the in crowd, right? So there's two reasons why we're usually motivated, two motivating factors, either to move up in the world or to be part of the in crowd is what he's saying. But he's saying there's, there is a, a preferred way that is preferred by God. That is to do the work and give it to him. Do it as an offering to God. Right? To labor in this way, the Bhagavad Gita tells us, is a form of meditation and a supreme species 
of spiritual devotion. It also, I believe, conforms most closely to higher reality. In fact, we are servants of the mystery. We were put here on earth to act as agents of the infinite, to bring into existence that which is not yet, but which will be through us. Every breath we take, every heartbeat, every evolution of every cell comes from God and is sustained by God every second. Just as every creation, invention, every bar of music or line of verse, every thought, vision, fantasy, and stroke of genius comes from that infinite intelligence that created us and the universe in all its dimensions, out of the void, the field of infinite potential, right? To acknowledge that reality, to efface all ego, to let the work come through us and give it back freely to its source. That, in my opinion, is as true to reality as it gets. Wow, that's beautiful, eh? So it's interesting because here he's referencing the Bhagavad Gita, but honestly, he could have been referencing the Quran and like it would have been just as good, to be honest with you. So he's telling us essentially that two, two ideas that I want to communicate with you guys here, okay? So we have here in the comments, ikhlas for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 100%. What he's trying to communicate here with us is, that when it comes to doing our work, okay, when it comes to putting in the work, a lot of times we'll take an action, we'll do something, and then we're waiting for the reward, right? We're waiting for the result, right? We we go we go to the gym. I'm gonna I'm using gym a lot as an example, but it's just an easy example, guys. Okay, so you know, bear with me on this. We'll, we go to the gym, right? We go to the gym and we go and we work out, and essentially we go and we do this, wanting the result of getting fit right? Wanting the result of losing weight, right? This, I'm using it because it's just a very easy example to use. You want the example of losing weight, of getting fit when you go to the gym, right? But what if instead, instead of, and what happens is when we don't get that result, when we, when we aren't seeing the results the way that we want them, right? Oh man, I, I'm not getting the progress that I want. Guess what happens? Resistance shows up and we stop going. Why? Because we were only taking the action because we wanted the fruits of our labor. But what if instead we changed our mindset? What if instead we changed our approach and we understand that we only have a right to the fruit, uh, sorry, we only have a right to our labor, but not the fruits of our labor. It means we approach going to the gym and working out as an offering to God, as an offering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the intention of I am going to take care of this body, this blessing that God has given me, this amana right? He's, he's loaned us these bodies. They do not actually belong to us. I'm going to take care of this to maintain, you know, this body, this amana that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me. And I, and this is my primary focus, my primary intention. And you leave the result to God, right? You leave the result to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so that's really what it is. So when we comes to working on our business, guys, we're all entrepreneurs. When we're listening to this, if you're an entrepreneur, you're working on your business. A lot of times we're working on our business. We're putting in the work. We're putting in hours, night and day. We're grinding, right? And then what happens is we don't get the result, right? We don't, we don't land that client and, and we feel down, right? We feel like, oh man, I'm a failure, right? I, I failed and I wasn't able to do this. I wasn't able to achieve my goal. But what if instead you understand that you only have a right to your labor and not to the fruits of your labor? What if instead, what if instead, let me just put that here. What if instead you do it as an offering to God, right? What if instead you tell yourself that I have a right to my labor and I have control over how much work I put in, but the outcome, the result is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? The result is from God, right? Every breath we take, every heartbeat, every evolution of every cell comes from God and is sustained by God every second. Just as every creation, invention, every bar of music or line of verse, every thought, vision, fantasy, every stroke of genius comes from that infinite intelligence that created us in the universe in all its dimensions. Out of the void, the field of infinite potential, primal chaos, the muse, to acknowledge that reality, to efface all ego, to let the work come through us and give it back freely to its source. That, in my opinion, is as true to reality as it gets. God, this is, I love this book so much. Oh my God, I love this book. All right. So let's, let's read some comments. True, as we plant the seeds of knowledge to others and we don't see the result, it doesn't mean we were not a success story. Oftentimes, the fruit of our labor is not something we're able to see in this lifetime, but in the next for sure. Mashallah, that's a beautiful comment. Thank you for sharing that, sister. That was That's beautiful. I 100% agree. And I, I can also see some comments coming in, guys. So just keep the comments coming and I'm going to answer them towards the end. Uh, I'm going to read a few more parts here for five minutes. And then we'll do some Q&A, inshallah. Okay, guys? But I, I really appreciate you guys joining me and, and listening to me 
even though I don't have a guest. And I, and I want you guys to let me know in the comments if this is something that you want me to do more of, right? If, if you enjoy these kind of episodes where it's just kind of me rambling on and uh, there's no one else uh, to talk to, right? So um, I'm going to continue here. And I want to share with you guys a little bit about combating, combating resistance, right? So what does it take to actually overcome resistance? What does it take to overcome resistance? I'm going to go through this and see what we can bring up here. Okay, there you go. There you go. So let me know, guys, let me know. We're, we're getting more. We're going to keep planting those seeds. Eventually, they'll bloom 100%. Okay, so... I don't want to spoil too much actually about this book and what he, what he talks about in terms of overcoming resistance, but there's a part that I do want to talk about. There's a part that I do want to talk about. Okay. There's a part that I do want to talk about. And there's a part where he talks about liberty and freedom. And he talks about, you know, our, our freedom as human beings. Is it, is it a privilege or, or does it actually work against us? Right. Has it actually working against us? Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let me share with you guys this. Okay. So this part, he talks about resistance and fundamentalism. Resistance and fundamentalism. This is this is really really interesting. I, I'm going to share with you guys this. This is really nice. I'm going to try. There's a few. Okay. So one thing that I have to tell you guys. Okay. This is not like a book for kids. So there's some there's there's definitely some some adult language in this book. I'll try to skip over it on this podcast, okay? But just just know this if you're going to read it, okay? And be be, pre be prepared for it. So resistance and fundamentalism. Let's read this part together. The artist and the fundamentalist both confront the same issue: the mystery of their existence as individuals. Each asks the same questions: Who am I? Why am I here? What is the meaning of my life? What is the meaning of my life? At more primitive stages of evolution, humanity didn't have to deal with such questions. In the, stage of, in the states of savagery, of barbarism, in nomadic culture, in medieval society, in the tribe, in the clan, one's position was fixed by the commandments of the community. It was only with the advent of modern society, with the birth of freedom and of the individual, that such matters ascended to the fore right? Such matters were brought up. They were highlighted, right? These are not easy questions. Who am I? Why am I here? They're not easy because the human being isn't wired to function as an individual. We are wired tribally to act as part of a group. Our psyches are programmed by millions of years of hunter-gatherer evolution. We know what the clan is. We know how to fit in into the band, into the tribe, what we don't know is how to be alone. We don't know how to be free individuals. Wow, guys. Okay, so we got a lot here. Okay, so there's a lot more coming up. But I want you guys, I want to pause. I want you guys to reflect on this. So what he's saying is that our psyches, right? And this is true. This is a fact, right? That, you know, we normally as human beings lived as tribes. And even if you think of the time of the prophets, Muhammad sallallahu that people were tribes, right? That you could never go out into the desert and survive on your own in the hut by yourself, right? You have like the Banu Quraysh, the Banu Quraida, all these different Banus, right? What does Banu mean? It's the tribe, right? This is the tribe of like this person. This is the tribe of that person. And these are all tribes, right? Up, up, up even to the moment of the Prophet Muhammad And so we were always wired. Our psyches were always pro programmed through hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of years to have that tribal mentality. And it's only recently that we were able to sustain ourselves as individuals, given all the technology that we have, right? Given the ease of access to food, to nutrition, to housing, and all of these amazing things, to be honest with you, that we now have access to. But the, the, the counter with that is that we don't know how to be alone. We don't know how to be free individuals. Okay, I, we don't know how to be free individuals. Let's talk about this. So he talks about the artist and the fundamentalist. And the parallels that he's trying to state here, I think are really, if you could think about it, would be the artist would be someone that's like more creative, more like probably probably leaning more to the atheist side. 
And then the fundamentalist is someone who believes in the fundamentals, right? In, in, in religion, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in God, and that we were created, right? And these are the two parallels that he's drawing here with us, okay? So, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and, um, and continue reading. I want to share with you guys this. This is a beautiful part. So the artist and the fundamentalist arise from societies at different stages of development. Okay, the artist is the advanced model. His culture possesses affluence, stability, enough excess of resource to permit the luxury of self-examination. The artist is grounded in freedom. He's not afraid of it. He's lucky he was born in the right place. He has a core of self-confidence of hope for the future. He believes in progress and evolution. His faith is that humankind is advancing, however haltingly and imperfect, toward a better world. And we believe that as well, right? We believe that as well. And the fundamentalist entertains no such notion. So here's draw here's drawing here he's drawing an extreme parallel. The fundamentalist entertains no such notion. In his view, humanity has fallen from a higher state. The truth is not out there awaiting revelation has already been revealed, right? The word of God has been spoken and recorded by his prophet, right? Be he Jesus or Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? Fundamentalism. Now, let me see here. There's a few things. This is a pretty long chapter. There's some that I want to, that I want, that I want to, that I want to highlight here. Okay. This does not mean there's another person creative. Okay. Okay, like there you go. This is what I want to, want to continue to. Like the artist, the fundamentalist experiences resistance. He experiences it as temptation to sin. Interesting, right? Interesting. Resistance to the fundamentalist is the call of the evil one, seeking to seduce him from his virtue. The, funda the fundamentalist is essentially battling with Satan, right? It is coincidence that the suicide bomber frequented during the training. So basically he's saying here, now there's one part that I want to highlight when he talks about freedom. Okay, to combat the call of sin, i.e. resistance, the fundamentalist plunges either into action or into the study of sacred texts, right? So interesting, interesting point here. He loses himself in these, much as the artist does in the, in the process of creation. The humanist believes that humankind as individuals is called upon to create the world with God. This is, is called upon to, and he values the, the human life so highly. Okay, so I know I'm skipping ahead, guys, but I'm actually trying to find the part that I want to highlight. Okay, so, okay, here it is, here it is, here it is. Sorry, guys. There you go. This is the part that I wanted to highlight. It may be that the human race is not ready for freedom. The air of liberty may be too rarefied for us to breathe. Certainly, I wouldn't be writing this book on the subject if living with freedom were easy. The paradox seems to be, as Socrates demonstrated long ago, that the truly free individual is free only to the extent of his own self-mastery, while those who will not govern themselves are condemned to find masters to govern over them. That's interesting, isn't it? So he draws parallels between the fundamentalist and the humanist and the artist. And obviously these parallels are extreme, to be honest with you. And like I said, you want to read this book with a grain of salt, okay? Because life isn't black and white. However, he does make some good points about freedom here. And this is something that I want to discuss with you guys, all right? He believes it may be that the human race is not ready for freedom. The air of liberty may be too rarefied for us to breathe. And essentially that our freedom, and this is really the part that I want to highlight, I guess. This is really the part that I was looking for. So that's why I was skimming through. And I apologize if I kind of lost you guys there a little bit. But this is, this is really the part that I want to focus on, okay? That the human being is only free to the extent of his own self-mastery. The human being is only free to the extent of his own self-mastery. What does he mean by that? He means that essentially if we are... If we are driven by our whims, right? If we are driven by our egos, by our addictions, by instant gratification, and we are not masters over ourselves, we are not disciplined, we don't have mastery over our ego, then we do, are, we, are we really experiencing true freedom? Are we really experiencing true freedom? And I want you guys to, to ask yourselves this question and to think about it, okay? I want you guys to think about 
you know, the concept of freedom, right? And essentially what he's saying is that we are only as free as our as the extent of our self-mastery. And the Prophet ﷺ says, he tells us very clearly that, that the greatest jihad, right? The greatest jihad, people love to use that word against us, jihad, killing non-Muslims. The greatest jihad for, 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 for Muslims is jihad al-nafs, right? Is the battle of the ego, right? The greatest battle that you can fight is the battle against your own ego, right? But they don't, they don't tell you that when they talk about Islam, do they? The Prophet Muhammad says the greatest battle that we can fight is the battle against our own egos, right? And I think this falls hand in hand. This goes hand in hand with this concept here, right? That the human being, the free individual is free only to the extent of his own self-mastery. So essentially what... If, if you tie both of these concepts together, then what our Prophet ﷺ is saying could also be is that he's saying that the way to free yourself, right? The way to attain true freedom is by self-mastery over your own ego, right? That, that, that is the greatest battle that you will fight, right? That will take you out of the state of being driven by these whims and be, and think about it. We are we are servants to our whims, aren't we? When you think about freedom, right? If you think someone is completely free, but then you think of the concepts of nature versus nurture, and then you think of the concept of, you know, addiction, and you think of the concepts of the ego. I mean, there's so much out there. It's a lot more complicated than we think, isn't it? So I want to know your your opinion, guys. We, we're, we're already at like 50 minutes. And I, I really hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode. If you have, read The War of Art. But like I said, read it with a grain of salt because the guy is not, you know, a Muslim and he does still talk about spirituality and God. So read it with a grain of salt. And of course, take from it the good and leave the bad, just like anything else uh, that you would read, right? So read it. And there's a lot to learn here. There's definitely, for me, it was an eye-opening book. I really enjoyed it, right? The, the, the author is not afraid to offend and he's not afraid to use adult language. And I still really enjoyed that. And I really appreciated it. And um, I learned a lot. So I, I really hope that you guys will learn from this, inshallah. Okay, and be able to benefit. So I recommend that, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know in the comments what you guys think about what we talked about. We talked about the concept of freedom. We talked about the concept of resistance, right, of self-gratification and so much more, right? So much more, so much more. There's so many amazing passages here that we could read, that we could read. Resistance and procrastination. <laughs> he says here very quickly, resistance and procrastination. Procrastination is the most common manifestation of resistance because it's the easiest way to rationalize, <laughs> isn't it? We don't tell ourselves, I'm never going to write my symphony. Instead, we say, I'm going to write my symphony. I'm just going to start tomorrow, right? And it's interesting how he compared resistance also to temptation of sin, isn't it? The most pernicious aspect of procrastination is that it can become a habit. Interesting. We don't just put off our lives today. We put them off until our deathbed. Interesting, guys, isn't that? So it's interesting that procrastination can become a habit just like anything else, right? When you think about it, because what we talk about the power of habits and developing positive habits, you know, just like, it's funny because we don't think about that in the opposite way, that just like you have to build the habit of, for example, waking up early, right? Of, you know, working on your business, of, you know, being a person of your word, right? Being someone that keeps your promises, being someone that, you know, arrives somewhere on time. Just, just as we work to build those habits, when we don't do that, we are actually building a habit on the opposite side of the scale that now you have developed a habit of, you know, pressing the snooze button. You've developed the habit of, you know, skipping out on your workout routine. You've developed the habit of watching TV instead of working on your business, right? So as we don't think about that, we don't think that, you know, just like we have to work hard to develop good habits that if we don't, then we're naturally developing bad habits. And so we have to be intentional in everything that we do. Correct. Right. Never forget this very moment. We can change our lives. There never was a moment and never will be when we are without the power to alter our destiny. This second, we can turn the tables on resistance. This second, we can sit down and do our work. Right. And do our work. That's beautiful. So uh, yeah, definitely recommend it. I love this book. Let's dive into some questions, guys. We're going to do some Q&A, inshallah, uh, before we end this episode. So if you're watching live, you get the chance to ask me questions. You get the chance to interact. 
So I hope you are. And if you're listening to the recording, if you're listening to the audio version, guys, make sure to um, make sure to you know join the Facebook group and, and the live stream to be able to join us. So I'm going to catch up on some questions, guys, before we end, inshallah. So I would say Muslims should read these books with caution and must have the ability to filter out content not compatible with Islamic belief. So I completely agree with that. So of course, like I said, this book is not written by a Muslim, guys. So this is not a book about spirituality. Okay, so this is not a book about aqidah or faith. Read this book and take from it the good and filter out what is not compatible and what you deem as, as not true, of course, because of course the author is not Muslim. So question, how did the book change the the, the Abi Lasmar now talking in front of us from the Abbey before he read the book of art internally, what is your one big realization to your present situation? So this is an awesome question. So one of our audience is asking, one of our audience members is asking how this book changed who I am today versus who I was before reading it. Well, to be honest with you, after reading this book, I just realized that there really is no secret sauce, right? There's no secret to overcoming procrastination. There's no secret to overcoming resistance. And that resistance is experienced by everyone. And it is the cause of almost everyone's misery right? That resistance is really the thing that is standing in our way and is preventing us from it actualizing ourselves and is the, is the cause of much misery around the world. And by developing this awareness and developing to myself, I now understand, for example, when I sit down to do my work and then I have this inkling, like, ah, you know what, maybe I want to, um, I want to go grab a you know, I want to get up and, 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 and eat right now and take a little break instead or, or get on my phone, you know, and, and watch social media. I know that right now what I'm experiencing is resistance, right? I become hyper aware to it. So what this has allowed me to do, sorry, what this book has allowed me to really realize was just all the things that normally I saw as, you know, uh, harmless. But I've realized now that they are essentially manifestations of resistance in my life. And it really dives into everything. It dives into even things that are related to the choice of mate, self-dramatization. It drives into sex as a form of resistance. All of these different topics, right? And these are, it's real, right? Some people gravitate to sex and sex addiction as a form of resistance. And so it's it's interesting to read all of these things and, and understand it. So now I'm much more aware of when resistance creeps up in my life and I'm able to overcome it faster and recognize, wait, this is probably resistance. I should not listen to that. So that's how this has helped me. And I hope that answers the question. How many times do we as Muslims discuss the ego? Uh, this is another question from one of our audience members. Most are too busy blaming shaitan for everything and taking zero responsibility, unfortunately. Or another reason why knowing yourself is key. So I completely agree, right? And he actually, he has some pretty harsh words to say against uh, fundamentalists here in the book. But I still find them important to read because to be honest with you, you it's eye-opening. It's eye-opening to the things like, am I falling for this? Do I really... Do I really do this myself, right? Do I really do this myself? Do I, am I, am I falling for the same clauses here where I blame everything on shaitan, right? He says here, the fundamentalist reserves his greatest creativity for the fashioning of Satan, the image of his foe in opposition to which he defines and gives meaning to his own life, right? So what he's saying here is that the fundamentalists, uh, essentially they, what they do is they're so busy fashioning the image of Satan, working, trying to oppose him, right? Versus giving meaning to our, to, uh, and how that gives meaning to our lives versus, you know, actualizing ourselves. And so I think that's really important to, to take note of. Like, are you, are you constantly focusing on, oh, this is Shaitan. Oh, this is Ayn. Oh, this is like, this person did that. And this person did this. And, oh, the, you know, like instead of focusing on, you know, being a better person, having better character, doing jihad and nafs, right? Fighting your ego, right? Overcoming resistance in your life, actualizing yourself, doing your work just to, just for the sake of doing it as an intention of, you know, as a way of, of, of essentially ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and with, a, with a clean and clear intention to gift it to God and, and be, dis, you know, disattached or uh, detached, sorry, not disattached, that's not a word, detached from the outcome, right? Instead of attached to the outcome. So that's important to bring up and I, I agree 100%, right? So, Thank you for sharing that. Um, alhamdulillah. So this is it, guys, for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're at an hour, so we'll end here. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, little change, The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and When You're in Your Creative Battles by Stephen Pressfield, available on Amazon. Check it out. Um, 
And this really was insightful. Like I said, take from it the good and leave out the bad. I don't want anyone messaging me or emailing me in a week telling me, oh, brother, you uh, recommended this book. There's some uh, things in here that are related to kufr. And listen, guys, uh, like I said, take from it the good and leave out the bad. I don't want to hear any of it. So learn how to actually, you know, gain information and knowledge from multiple sources and have an open mind. So we got one more, one last question. Whenever I feel confused and I have lack of clarity in life, I have higher resistance in life, 100%. So that's important as well is it's important to define what is it that you actually want to do? What is it that you need to do? And and like as, the, as, as Stephen Pressfield eloquently said, and to be honest, I believe that to be true myself, is that within each one of us, we have a small, uh, we have a small, uh, a small voice within us, right? That tells us, right? What it is that we should do. It, it gives us, it shares with us our true calling, right? He says this here. He says this here. One second. Uh, where does he say it, right? Where, is he, where does he say it? He says it here. I'm trying to find it. Anyways, I can't find it. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't, but essentially, he says that we all have a small voice within us, right? We all have a small voice within us. And that voice essentially tells us what we want to do, what we need to do, how to actualize ourselves. And we just have to listen to it, right? There you go. Unless I'm crazy right now, a still small voice is piping up, telling you as it has 10,000 times, the calling that is yours and yours alone. You know it, no one has to tell you. And unless I'm crazy, you're no closer to taking action on it than you were yesterday or will be tomorrow, right? So so it's important that when you start to drown out the noise, and, and a lot of times, guys, I've experienced this in my life. There was a time where I didn't know what I needed to do. There was a time where I didn't know, I I didn't know, essentially, you know, what I wanted to do out of in my life and, and what kind of goal I wanted to achieve, what I wanted out of this life uh, and, you know, what I could contribute through, you know, my own unique skills and my own, you know, unique life experiences to this world to impact it in a positive way. Uh, and what I did is I had to take a break from distraction. I had to take a break from, you know, distracting my mind with TV and social media and friends and group chats and all this, this noise. And I would just take some time every day to go outside. We, we live by a little river here uh, where I, where I live and I would go outside, I'd put up like a little mat and I would lie down on it and I would have an open book and I would just brainstorm and I would write down ideas. What is it that I want out of life? What is it that I want to build? What, what, what mission do I want to achieve? What, what, what change do I want to impact in the world? And for the first few days, nothing happened. I didn't get any answers, but I kept doing this day after day, day after day, day after day. And eventually it became clear to me, oh, wow. Okay. And, and, and you know how it became clear every day I would wake up and I would go and I would just write about, okay, what are some different ideas? What should I be doing? What would I be fulfilled and happy doing? And when it came to me, it's not like I thought about it. It literally was a voice within me that told me this is what you need to do, right? This is what you need to do. And that's how the idea for Omapreneur got, it came alive, right? That's how, that's literally the reason why Omapreneur started is because I kept going out and eventually I woke up one day and I realized, wow, wait, this is it. This is it. This is what I need to do. This is going to be my contribution to this world. And the way that you're able to listen to that voice, the way that you're able to connect with that inner voice within you is really by eliminating the outside noise, really el eliminating all that distraction, all that noise that's surrounding you so you can connect within yourself, right? You know, you know that the Prophet Muhammad said, I'm used to meditate every single day, right? We, we, we know that he used to go to, um, to one of the caves. I'm forgetting the name. I, I believe it's Ghar Hira, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, is it? I'm, I'm not really sure if that was the name where he used to go and meditate um, essentially every single day, right? He used to go in there and essentially he would just sit by himself, right? Yeah, there you go. That is, it is Ghar Hira, right? So that cave, he would go, the Prophet would go and he would just sit down and meditate and he would sit in silence, right? He would sit in silence. He would be isolated, right? You think about that and you think about that and you think, wow, well, why is he doing that, Right? The Prophet you know, used to practice meditation every single day. So there's a reason for that. Eliminate that distraction. Eliminate that noise outside of you so you can connect with your inner self, right? And so you can connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on a deeper level on your spirituality, guys. And um, that's it for today, I think. We are, we're, all, we're over time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one of a kind. You know, we did a little, did a little book, book review, did a little uh, reading here. And alhamdulillah, I hope that we were able to, you know, bring you guys some value, bring you guys some, so, some, um, some, so, something that you could positively impact your life with. That's my goal in this podcast to help you 
have a positive impact on your life when you walk out of these episodes, when you walk out of these discussions, these interviews. So I hope that I was able to achieve that today. I hope that I was able to benefit you in some shape or form. Um, and I'll see you guys in the next episode, inshallah. Make sure to subscribe, whether you're watching on YouTube or you know listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of these platforms. And as well, we're really trying to grow, guys. So we would really appreciate it if, you, if you're a listener, if you could take a minute or two and just to review our podcast, if any of you have an Apple Podcast account, uh, to just go and give us a review, a rating on that platform so that we could keep growing and keep bringing you guys all this amazing content for free. Uh, and we'll keep doing it and we'll keep trying our best to do that, inshallah. guys. Jazakallah khair. Take care. It was a pleasure. It was an honor to serve you. I'll see you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum.